All right, welcome back to the With Joe Eby podcast, continuing to unpack Tim Ferriss' ideas for, I guess, education, career, learning, and life in this Thought Leader series. Luke is back with me today, and this is going to be a big one. I want to ask you, Luke, what are the advantages of defining your fears instead of your goals? And obviously, your goals might be constrained by your fear. They Maybe they're unlikely to be daring enough, but yeah, anything come to mind, it's a a very interesting sentence to read and then think, what the fuck does that mean? So as usual, putting you on the spot. <laughs> the first the first thing I can think of is, or from what I remember potentially, it might be um, getting ahead of myself, but defining your fears sort of or thinking about them specifically gives it less weight once you've actually gone through it and not just like, it's still not, you're just reacting to it very quickly. You've actually defined them and then you can actually ponder them and it might give it less less of an emotional weight once you've done that. The thing I was thinking about when you said that was like the scary monster in the closet and that if you open the closet and you just see that it's empty, then you, you know, it can't really have power over you. Yeah. That's the first thought I got from that. Mm. I think that's a really interesting take. Obviously, you know that this is leading to two. I don't know if you know this, but this is the TED talk he did. I don't know if he's done more than one. Mm. He's someone who could definitely do more than one. But he did a TED talk around this concept and the concept of fear setting. So I'll go into that because it, it was he starts with telling his story, right, how he's planning his own suicide. I think this was 1999. And he survived thanks to chance, which is a story we'll come back to later. But he was interested in managing his ups and downs after because he has bipolar depression poor guy and the tool he's found for helping protect from emotional freefall was stoicism which is obviously very big with you too luke and uh, you know it keeps popping up right he, he he draws on examples like people right up in the upper ranks of the nfl founding fathers like george washington in terms of all these people who've utilized stoic philosophy who are in these positions we respect and he calls it an operating system for thriving in high pressure environments in 2004, he had a friend who died of pancreatic cancer and then his own girlfriend actually left him at the same time because he was on like that workaholism, hustle, hamster wheel. And then he read us this quote by Seneca the Younger, I think around this time, we suffer more often in imagination than in reality, which is a whole podcast series in itself, that line. It's very Alan Watts too. But he decided to do something about it. Now, pre-meditatio malorum is Latin, and it means the pre-meditation of evils. So basically, it's what we're talking about. Imagining evils or scary situations beforehand so you can go through them. And then after reflecting on that, Ferris created fear setting to help him actually take action and develop that into a system for himself. So it's very simple. We can explain quickly how it works. The, the TED Talk will be linked in the blog. That'll be in the description. But there's three columns he does on a piece of paper. Define. Number two is prevent. Number three is repair. And you just go through that for something you're worried about. So chances are less intelligent and less driven people have figured these things out in the past. For example, he was afraid of taking his first vacation in four years, worried about small things like missing a, a letter from the IRS and then having his business shut down or something like that. The prevent column is you find an easy way to avoid that, right? Reroute your post to your accountant. Very simple. And uh, the repair is strategies to repair the situation 
even if the worst case scenario were to eventuate. So I think, I don't know, the IRS example is probably pretty straightforward. But then obviously, so you got that. And then the second page has the question, what might be the benefits of an attempt or partial success? So something like increased confidence or skill progression. We talked about those in previous episodes. And that's where you're kind of talking about the upside. And then I think this is the final page, the third page, is the cost of inaction. And there you unpack the risk of the status quo six months from now, a year from now, and several years from now. And you write about the cost of like not changing. So for example, I always use that example of like, maybe it's scary to walk up to a girl in public and ask for her number or something like that. But what's the cost of, because you might embarrass yourself, feel awkward. But what's the cost of not acting, right? Six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, you start to think, oh, you know, will I be alone and not have a romantic partner ever? You know, will I, you know, miss, you know, quality opportunities and experiences and memories, right? Someone to go to the beach with or coffee with on Sunday morning or all this stuff. And then you start to go deeper and deeper into imagining that you apply what we have this natural fear aversion so many so many of us have like we're more sensitive to avoiding pain than we are to seeking pleasure for example like when so often when i've seen a team of mine win a final it's a feeling of relief it's almost like i was just celebrating avoiding losing the final <laughs> if that makes sense anyway so you start to apply that towards the thing you might miss out on So if you go deep into this scenario of not starting your project, not making a job or career change or degree change or something like that, and you start to really visualize the situation, you then start to become more afraid of that than normally the smaller trivial embarrassment thing that is normally stopping us from taking action. So that, that is really like quite a simple concept. I don't know. We can probably unpack some more examples around it but there's this powerful quote he has at the end of his ted talk from jersey gregoric the he's a polish survived the holocaust and then became a a bodybuilder a weightlifter i think professional weightlifter easy choices hard life hard choices easy life i'm going to repeat that easy choices hard life hard choices easy life joe if i can just jump in you can what what does that mean to you uh go back to taleb and the idea that the titanic saved your life right that episode you think about the titanic probably saved a much bigger disaster because if the titanic hadn't happened this overconfidence from people in the naval industry or whatever to keep building bigger and bigger boats. They would have kept doing it till there was just this other bigger disaster, 10 times bigger than the Titanic. So for me, like hard choice is making short-term sacrifices in income and living the MVL for now to do things that are more meaningful rather than trying to do that, what most people consider the practical thing, which is make lots of money first or establish yourself first or cater for yourself first. Then you can get a bit more creative and you can maybe earn the right to do more fulfilling work. 
And that's, uh, that's, that's, you can make the easy choices first. But as I, we've talked about a fair bit recently, doing the hard choices actually makes life easier because it's easier to live a fulfilling life, surprisingly, you know, like it's just a no brainer, really. Like a hard choice, an, an easy choice is, I remember when I noticed someone who worked with me in real estate when they started to not do his job and just to look the other way. But then that created a hard life because it created a worse situation later on. Mm. An easy choice is when uh, you're living in the 1930s in Germany and you start revolting against Jews. And it's the easy choice is to, it's scary not to dob someone in. That's an easy choice. Then you've got to live a hard life after of, you know, being someone who let that happen. Who didn't stand up for what was right. Whereas the hard hard choices make your life existentially easier. Mm. But normally it's a material thing that we're normally optimizing for. So what I mean is like where you live, whether that's secure, your income, whether that's secure, they're all material parts of life. Whereas the existential part of life is, am I doing what is right ethically? Am I doing what is the rewarding part of life? Am I living the rewarding part of life? Or am I hidden in some strange echo chamber, as Teal called it, abstraction away from reality? You know, doing paperwork all the time and all that. That's a hard life when you look back. What does it mean to you? Mm, it's, it's kind of simple. Like, I know I use running as an example. Just That's a great example. It's, it's, it's very it's visual. It's an easy one. It's good. Yeah. yeah. It's like easy choices is in the morning when you when you get up. It, it's easier to just have your coffee and not not exercise. Not because, run. You know, not go to the gym. Not yeah. run. Not because you just you you're in that comfortable state. But the hard choice is just to get out the door. But it becomes the easy becomes the easy life because you've got more energy. You you feel happier in general. It's just making that initial step. So I would think of that in the framework of the hard choices are normally just hard getting momentum. Yes. And easy, then easy choices like checking social media first thing in the morning for me when I wake up. Mm-hmm. Hard choices, yeah. no, start the day with being present. That makes the actual day easy and peaceful mm. instead of feeling and, you're behind. Sorry, I cut you off, but. No, no, no. I can think of like easy, hard choice is, yeah, going down to write or like do something intentional or like say, you know, come up with questions for the podcast or something that might require you to think a little bit more intensely. But once you start, it's, it's, you know, it's okay. But there's other things you could be doing that are much easier. Like you said, checking (laughs) social media or, but, but that, that's the, that's not going to lead to, it's not pushing you in the direction you want to go. So that, that's kind of how I view it. Yeah. I mean, another one, uh, maybe hard choice is to persist with something like a podcast or a business or a meaningful project or a book that takes a long time to mm. maybe, well, it shouldn't take a long time to enjoy it, but pay off in meaningful, other, other meaningful ways and compounding ways. Whereas, but if you do that, it's like Joe Rogan having started a podcast really early, Tim Ferriss having started a podcast really early can ride the, the wave, so to speak. Now, I don't know if their lives are easy, uh, like 
it's, it's tricky, but you, they definitely have all these benefits and options from having done it. Right. Mm. They have all the power to have a very big impact, I think. Mm. And that's an I easy like- life to live with. You know, that's easy to live with yourself when you've mm. done stuff like that. I think should be. I was listening to, I think Tim Ferriss was on podcast with Rich Roll and they talk, I think it was Rich Roll that came up with that mm. saying I, I mentioned in one of the previous episodes, which is mood follows action. So mm. how I tie that into, it's like, you don't feel like doing the hard choice, but once you start, you feel better. And it's almost like every time you have to keep doing it and it doesn't actually get that much easier to make the hard choice or, you, you know, the awareness around Correct. it, but that leads to the the easy life that we're, yeah. we're so talking about. In summary, the hard choice is doing something that you find scary now. Mm. That's the goal of it. The point I wanted to emphasize on fear setting was that normally I'm not very big on goal setting. I don't know, but... I think that your goals are often constrained by your fear. That's why it's tricky. There might actually be a ceiling placed on them. For example, there's this, and it's like that you feel like there's a guy or girl who's with a partner, but they could do better, right? Or they deserve better. But often the fear of like going for, you know, someone who's a 10 out of 10 match for you, for example, might actually be based on you don't feel like you've, earned that or if you're a podcaster going after a big a bigger guest you might not have that goal because you think it's unrealistic or it's just scary to do it Mm. so that's that's another reason why i think the fear can be more powerful than the goal like a lot of the best actors continually say about a breakthrough role why'd you take it it scared me You know, and that's the risk, like no risk, no reward kind of conversation. Matthew McConaughey, right, in Green Lights, talks about ditching the rom-com persona. And now he had mm. to like potentially risk his whole livelihood because they were obviously accustomed to a certain standard of living, certain income level, when you're doing the big, huge Hollywood rom-coms. And Dallas Buyers Club, they had to put like money into it, like people weren't going to back it. So that was a hard choice. But then he realized, I don't want to be the fucking rom-com guy. That doesn't, that's, that's not, you know, that's just to make, that's just a, an easy choice, hard life. Mm, I'm sure at the time they were throwing good money at him as well. Huge was, money. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a choice. reputation risk because you can get frozen out of Hollywood. Mm. You can be put in that box. You can be put in that box. But then if you think about it, hang on. If I stay in this room, as I always say, right? If I stay in this room, I will always be in this room, which means that in 10 years, 20 years, my life would have been, I was just the rom-com guy. (laughs) And now I come back to flipping the concept of risk because it's not actually a risk. The real risk is the one of the status quo, which is why Ferris is saying to find the status quo. Okay. Joe, I bookmarked this question actually. It was, what's, can you think of an example where you use this framework? If you don't mind me asking like a personal example or. Yeah, I I can be pretty open about, I've, there've been times I've definitely struggled on this current stretch of my journey where 
I obviously I have a lot of ideas. There certainly hasn't been. I'm certainly not a Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan or a Jordan Peterson, right? But, but I do believe in a lot, of, a lot of things we prioritize and talk about. I feel like I've struggled at times with constant student to get certain ideas across to people and make things clear. And there's been a lot of frustration. Um, I'm very, you know, very open about that. And it's not always easy. But then you think about the cost of not doing it. And you think about people who it could impact. And as soon as you think about how this something like this could compound, just by touching a couple of people's lives, even the podcast, even just a couple of people listen, and you're forced to think, what would happen if I don't do it? And you're also forced to think, and this one's the bigger one, if I don't do it, who will? If I don't do it, who will? And now you start to not think fear in terms of I won't ever be this. I'll just be the rom-com guy. And you start to think in a way that you don't maybe differentiate yourself as much from the other people you're on this journey of life with. And your fear setting and your goal setting now become something instead of just being this individual story about how great you were in the world, becomes this thing where your lives are attached to those of other people. Now, most people's dream is to be the big uh, superstar or be the person on stage or be the CEO. And most of our goals are denominated in terms of I. Me. Very rarely do people aspire to things in groups, but that's when the best human achievements come from. And it's much more powerful to think about how other people would suffer if you don't do a certain thing, even more than thinking about how you would suffer. But we don't see that a lot. That's a good answer. (laughs) We'll wrap it there. And tomorrow, very, very timely, we'll talk about Tim Ferriss on using death to add a sense of urgency. Because if you are afraid, here is one thing that will shift the very concept of fear itself. I'll see you tomorrow, Luke. See you tomorrow, Jim.